Welcome to the Communicate with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Lilith Rose, and today we are, I'm so excited, because we are joined by the one and only Devin Tracy. If you listen to my podcast, you've heard his voice. If you haven't, Devin, in his own words, he's a marketer, he's a copywriter, he's an all-around cool guy, and we've been friends for a while, and we are here to do an expert coaching session because Devin is a pretty awesome speaker, and we're going to see what it looks like when coaching happens, not on, on a basic level, not on a really kind of an intermediate level, but on an intermediate high level, I would say that. Devin, how do you feel? I feel pretty good. You feel pretty good? Okay, good. So we're just going to get into it then. Uh, I already talked to you beforehand. This is going to be just like a normal coaching session that I would do with anybody. The only difference is that anything that's a little too personal about communication, um, we are, we're just not going to include it if we get there. So if anyone's wondering why we didn't pursue a certain line that's why but anyway Devin so I want to start off this with a question because I already asked you beforehand is there anything in particular you wanted to talk about you said I don't know so I want to open up with this question is do you feel like you can grow more in your personal communication or professional communication, such as like public speaking, uh, recording videos, that kind of that kind of professional. Speaking. Um, I could probably grow more in my personal communication, but I have significant significantly less interest in it. So okay, okay. So and if you care less, then that is a different issue. That would be a different coaching <laughs> session where we're getting you to care about uh, your personal communication. Great. So we've narrowed it down a bit. So when it comes to your professional communication, um, let's give, are you, are you interested in pursuing public speaking more? Um, I know you've been doing a lot of podcasts and videos. So is that the thing that you care most about in excelling? Or do you want to get yourself in a position where you feel more comfortable in public speaking? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I make a pretty prolific amount of content at this point in my career. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm very comfortable on camera. I'm very comfortable behind a mic. Um, I make, I make, I don't, I probably produce somewhere in the neighborhood of three to seven videos every single day. Um, wow. So I'm pretty comfortable in that regard. Uh, probably mm -hmm. what I'd be most interested in is um, I'm, I'm currently moving up market with a lot of my offerings. And so I'm, I'm starting to work as a fractional CMO with larger like eight figure companies. And one of the things that I'm offering that's functioning as a down sell um, mm -hmm. is a two day live workshop that I'll run for their marketing department. Um, that's something where, well, to use the language of the podcast, um, that's something where that's probably where my confidence is probably the most lacking um, would okay. be in that kind of an atmosphere. Um, I've never ran a workshop before. And so I don't know exactly how to put my, like wrap my head around what I have almost 9,000 hours of teaching experience at, as a public school teacher, a high school teacher. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I've definitely talked in front of large audiences before, 
But normally, when I talk in front of a large audience, you can tell, no matter how big the audience is, you can tell that I'm nervous for the first 30 seconds or so. Um, So that's an element we could discuss too. But the one I'd be most interested in is like, I feel like doing a workshop is some somewhere between those two elements of uh, like teaching in a classroom setting and giving a talk. I feel like it's somewhere in the middle there. So, okay, okay. So let's hone in on the yeah. Let's talk about those those workshops then, uh, because that you care a lot about that, which means we're going to make a lot of progress pretty quickly. Um, but also since that is very relevant to your life right now um, and your profession. So what's the closest thing that you've done to the kind of workshops that you that you're planning on doing? Um I would say probably the closest thing I've done is either just teaching in general. Um mm. or you could argue so I've given I did a 2-hour workshop for um for a young adults group at a church. Um, okay. So completely different subject matter, but that's that's mm-hmm. probably the closest thing formally. I would, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, after you gave that talk, what were some of the primary? Th- if you remember, what were some of the primary things on your mind that you thought, ah, oh, like I wish I didn't do that, or I wish I did this better, or like I want to figure out how to do this. One of I can say this actually about just when I give talks in general, but also mm-hmm. about that one. One of the things that I notice, you know, athletes, they review their tapes, right? Like I, I mm-hmm. record my stuff, whether or not it's for the record, like whether or not I'm going to do anything with it, I want to watch my own recordings. Um, right. One of the things that I think is a consistent, one of the things I do well consistently is engaging the audience and interacting okay. with the audience. One of the things that I don't do very well is the way that I tend to respond to the audience that I'm engaging with. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, sometimes like in the moment, the way that I'm responding feels to me like I'm actually listening. I'm actually present um, mm-hmm. and I'm being empathetic and I'm listening. Uh, but when I watch the footage later, it sounds very pompous. And gotcha. so th- that would be probably the biggest one that I know is a consistent okay. theme. Is- okay. Is you sound pop is like during the entire time you're talking or specifically when interacting with the audience, like in the uh, Q&A? Sp- well, not not just Q&A, but whenever I have any engagement with the audience. If, so like, um, for example, mm-hmm. I've given a talk before where like, yeah, I'll ask the audience, throw out some numbers. What do you think? And uh, they'll all throw out numbers okay. and, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll pick the numbers that I hear and I'll just say, somebody said this, somebody said this. And yes. then and then I'll go, OK, well, you're all wrong. And like, (laughs) that was not the best way to say that. Um, Mm -hmm. Like that, that specific example, rewording and simply saying like, I have not heard the right answer would probably be better. Like, right. And so whether it's during a Q and a, whether it's directly responding to an individual or whether Mm -hmm. it's responding to the way I made the audience engage anyway, um, it comes up, it just comes up in any way where I'm more directly interacting with the audience and not just talking to them. Yeah. Um, I have an immediate thought on that actually. When it comes to that kind of interaction, let's use that example of the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you people call it numbers. And something that I have done in the past is try to, if someone's wrong, try to compliment them on their answer, even though they're wrong. So say, oh, that's actually like that's 
that is a good idea. Like I understand the idea of where that's coming from. Um, and like try in a way what that does is that it, it breaks a bit of friendliness and it shows that you're there to help them grow, not there to teach. And it's, we are working together on this. It's not me telling you what to do. And so I try to find when I'm speaking, I try to find every opportunity I can to tell the audience, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I like the way you're thinking. I like the way that thought came about. And like, did were you thinking this? Like, what was your thought process behind that? Was it just a random guess? And it's just a random guess. You know, you laugh at them and go, oh, that's actually pretty close for a random guess. Like, good job. And I have found that way that also helps me too and have a little bit more humility in uh, in just the entire process of speaking. Because I don't know about you, but I tend to have a very big ego when I'm on stage and I have a mic in my hand. <laughs> and so I had to like, I have to build in ways to force my ego to come down and force myself to have some humility. Because after the talk, you feel fine. You know, you're like, oh, of course, you know, I don't want to sound that way. I don't want to be that way. I That's not my intention. But while you're holding that mic, is, mm -hmm. it, that's an entirely different situation. So do you think that that is something actionable, something you could work in? Um, in that specific example, probably not. Um, in okay. many examples, yes. Um, but so like, I could think in that. So the, mm -hmm. the reference that I'm making is um, how many pieces of source material do you think we have for this? Okay. And throws out a whole bunch of numbers and it is a random guess right um mm -hmm. and i'm building to a point so we're doing this several times in a row and then mm -hmm. the last time that i ask it you know the numbers have been in like the single digits and the last time that i ask it I, it's clear by the framing that i've built up this point to oh this one's going to be outrageous and yeah. so then people start making guesses like a thousand and mm -hmm. five thousand um or just a couple hundred because that would be wild and yeah. That that's the kind of point where I could go and I'm like, you guys get it. You know exactly you know exactly what the point is here. But mm -hmm. but here's the kicker, it's actually in the tens of thousands. Like um yeah. and so I could see that um at that point in it. Um but I, I do think that specific example is just a it's like a script modification because I know I'm gonna mm -hmm. get there if I give that talk. And so it's just like right. don't tell the entire audience they're wrong um exactly like, like exactly. rather than like just say something different to the effect of like um yeah i haven't heard the right answer yet you know mm -hmm. um or this is gonna surprise you but like something like that it, that's exactly what i was going to comment was that that is a way to tell the audience they're wrong is to go can you believe it you're all completely wrong completely not even close none of you and it's a it's not a you're wrong it's a shock factor it's a headline that you can't believe that this is uh that you're wrong about this uh yeah i can i can see that i know that i think also looking back on it if you have a workshop that you're giving and you have let's say an intro where you interact with the audience mm -hmm. say it's like a five minute intro that is something that's easily practicable and then when you record yourself you watch it back like it's such a short amount of time that you can practice it record it watch it back within the span of 15 minutes have very feasible changes and very easy to make changes to your quote-unquote script uh so that's also something that's 
that's doable if it's not coming across right then just take that chunk that you're mm -hmm. struggling with and it could be as little as like a 30 second chunk film it watch it and then brainstorm ideas and then do it again um because if you have a 30 minute session you'll improve that one part so so much and if it's your intro then that is the most important part of your entire speech is your introduction so it's definitely mm -hmm. worth spending the extra time to really get that polished down in the best form possible cool great is there anything when it comes to that specific topic is there like any other scenarios or any other aspects of that that you want to bring some ideas so i'm trying to remember i, I don't think i'm going to be able to remember the particulars around it but um okay. leaning more into like um q a slash workshopping so there's real dialogue going mm -hmm. um I, I can't remember the particulars now because this was uh, a year and a half ago. Um, but um, I, I asked my audience a question um, and a very genuine question that required real feedback and mm -hmm. got real feedback. And then when watching the tape, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm really like, I know where I was in the moment and I'm listening yeah. to them and I'm relating. And then, and then, the response that's coming out of my mouth is like the coldest response to a very sincere <laughs> statement where it's like, um, it, it was yep. something to the effect of like, um, so how was that for you guys? And then someone's like, well, this was really, this was actually really challenging for me because da, 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 da. Right. Mm -hmm. And then my response is like, it's the diagnosis without listening is kind of what ended up happening. Right. And it's like, yeah. oh, so, so you really didn't care. Like, that's like what I'm like, and it just, Mm -hmm. I know where I was, but I also hear it back and I'm like, I'm I'm willing to bet that probably probably somewhere around 20% of the people who responded to my questions in that workshop felt alienated by my response. Yeah. Um and so that would be that would be a, an overall area that would be worth um figuring out, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think another strategy to look at like this, and I think this also relates back to our, our last, what we were talking about before this, what I, so a piece of advice that a lot of public speakers get and I've given is look at someone in the room who's nodding along with you, who's super pumped to see you speak, who's applauding, who's laughing and focus on them. And then talk to them you know it's a bit of like it's a very common beginner um speaking point especially like if you go to like to speech 101 uh that i mean that will only get you so far <laughs> and especially if you're looking to level up when it comes to this specific uh time and this specific this specific example something that might help is looking at the person asking, or maybe even someone else, if you don't know the person asking, if for some reason the person asking rubs you the wrong way and just there's something about them and you can't diagnose in the middle of speaking because it's too much going on, simply find someone else to answer the question to. So someone else that you can immediately just like, I'm friends with you, I'm hanging out with you and I'm answering your question and I'm just chatting with you. And that is something that I have taken and 
especially like especially when it's a hard topic like when i gave mental health talks to teenagers and a teen asks a very difficult question and difficulty looking them in the eyes and talking to them because the pain was too big or look at somebody else and i just focus on someone else and i'd give the answer to them and of course you're not staring bullets into someone's right. eyes and just staring at them and giving them a question but you're talking to the audience but in your mind you're like this person is the person that asked the question i'm going to talk to them it's just a strategy it's it's about for me like this particular topic there's so many different scenarios when it comes to interacting with the audience mm -hmm. that it's just about having tools in the bag so that way you can decide which one to actually pull out it's just knowing what options you have and then choosing the right one for the occasion and so like all what we what we already talked about when it comes to like preparation um especially if you that also goes in line if you have specific questions that are asked commonly you prepare your answers to that question mm -hmm. you get it down so that way you're not rambling you get it out because you can versus mm -hmm. something you're not prepared for you have to think about it a little bit more which mm -hmm. leads to a little bit more rambly a little less conciseness um, yeah. but and yeah that, I was saying, that actually reminds me of um I'm, and I'm not saying that I would actually do this, but I like the level of preparedness that this is like one of my favorite, yeah. uh, one of my favorite theologian speakers mm -hmm. literally has a slide deck for every question he's ever been asked. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it, it's at a point now, if you go and you watch him live during the Q and a every single mm -hmm. question, he'll pull up a slide deck and he just, yeah. he already has. And it's like, <laughs> there, there's a level of like master authority that that presents where it's like, mm -hmm. you're not going to ask me a question I haven't already figured out the answer to. Um, right. And I'm not saying that I would pull up a slide deck to answer every question, but the idea of being able to and knowing yeah. that I have that much to back, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I strive to get to that level of preparedness. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you will, it will naturally happen. Um, for me, it probably happened after like, 30 talks, I started feeling very confident and some of the co very common questions I was asked. And for sure, after like 50, 75, then I, I knew exactly what to say. I knew exactly what questions were going to be asked. I was prepared and some of them I had to do like more research for. That was like the extent of me scripting answers to questions. Mm -hmm. um, was just doing more research to get some hard facts that I could present with authority instead of going from my experience this many people act in mm -hmm. this way mm -hmm. uh yeah i think yeah those are definitely just tools interacting with the audience is for me one of the most stressful things you can do as a speaker because it's it's not on you to prepare and give it is on you to react to another human being's mind while you're live in front of potentially hundreds of other people. It, it is, and it is, so I understand, like it is a very, I don't know, terrifying is a word I would use, situation I mean, to, to be in. To me, it's also the deciding factor between a good speaker and a great speaker. 100%, like speaker, anyone can prepare. Right, a good speaker sounds good in front of a camera when nobody responds. And exactly. a great speaker, you know they're a great speaker when it gets to the Q and A. Mm -hmm. Yep, and uh, that's uh, that's also how I differentiate uh, which late night hosts I like by those who can do YouTube style videos that I still am entertained <laughs> without the audience laughing in the background. Uh, so the opposite way. 
none of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a dude. That is a different topic uh, for maybe a different podcast. <laughs> So yeah, talking about audience interaction, um, I also want to make sure during this time, unless there's something pressing with audience interaction, I also want to talk about the workshops themselves mm -hmm. because that is something that is important and pressing. Yeah. And I'm going to make an assumption, tell me if I'm right or wrong, that you experience nervousness thinking about starting to do them. Um, and in your past, you've experienced nervousness up to speaking. And once you start speaking, that nervousness dies down. Is that um, accurate? So I had, I had a student ask me this once about public speaking. And I think I gave, mm -hmm. I think I gave the student the best answer I've ever given about what's true about me. Because mm -hmm. um, the student just asked, Mr. Tracy, do you get stage fight? And I'm like, no. Until about 30 seconds before I walk on stage. <laughs> then yes, for about... 30 seconds after I get on stage, then yep. no again. Like there is there is like a minute time frame where I mm -hmm. am incredibly nervous. I have high yeah. anxiety, but mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't register until it doesn't register until like right before the MC starts the introduction. And then yep. it's like, okay, now I'm nervous. Um <laughs> so I don't so I don't really I don't, I'm not really nervous ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um but it, it's literally moment of is when I start to feel nervous. Yeah. Um, okay. I relate to that. Uh, that is, so th there's a couple things and I want to also know like what you've done as well as we go through this. Uh, for me with, when it comes to that nervousness, because I still, I still have that. I've always had that. Um, what I did was I controlled as much as I could about the environment um, and that included my own routine before like my checklist of things that I had to do that were non-negotiable of what I had to do before a talk and how I prepared myself going up to speak. And have you done, have you tried any of that? Um, any elements of that? Um, I'm, I'm just going to simply say no. Okay. And I'm like kind of okay. laughing okay. to myself because of the situations I've been in. Uh, mm -hmm. but yeah. No, no, okay. not really. Okay. So I think there's a couple things. One, I'm, I was always absurdly early. I was always like at least an hour early to my talk, uh, barring any kind of accidents or, you know, traffic conditions, which did happen once. And I ran up on stage as they were, as they were ready for me. Uh, but getting early is always the biggest thing because you have plenty of time to prepare. You're not, you can think about your talk. You can go over anything. You're not distracted. Um, I would say also like having the routine, like my routine was as simple as drink plenty of water before the event. When you get to the event, find the organizer, get all set up, do a mic test, uh, make sure all the AVs working correctly, walk around the, the place I'm speaking, both on stage and off stage to get a feel for how it, for how everything looks and um uh feels and like how it hear like how people how well people can hear you from the different parts of the state from parts of the audience and this varies of course depending on the layout of the of the area uh but even something like a room can you can really affect you can really see um the differences 
depending on where people sit around just like a normal room. Um, if there's a window, does light stream through here? You know, like just some subtle things. Um, I always went to the bathroom, blew my nose, drank more water, and I had a bottle of water on stage with a podium. And 30 minutes before, usually 30 minutes before, I was sitting, just going over my speech, making sure I knew what to do, um, and just thinking about the people that I would talk to. And right before people were announcing me, I just did like a quick meditation, controlled my breathing. I like sat forward, just like, you know, like heal myself in a bit of a, um, of a pose for the, any, any of the video viewers. You can just see my forward leaning motion. And that was the pose that helped relax me. But there's nothing specific to it. Uh, I also started including power poses when I went to the restroom. Uh, I just started, you know, doing the V shape and stretching out and, you know, doing some like boxing or whatever. And then when I walked out, I knew exactly where I was walking. I walked to that spot. I shook hands with the MZ, picked up the mic and I took a deep breath and I looked out to the entire crowd before I spoke. And the biggest thing for me, um, was not, was a biggest probably change that I made was not speaking until I was ready. They can wait for you. They can wait three seconds for you to talk. It's a long time, but uh, that, that was my routine. It still mm. is to as much as I can, like when it comes to like video speeches and stuff, you know, things change. Um, how does that sound? Are there elements of there and of that that you want to take? You want to expand upon anything? I like the um, like the idea of like, I mean, I I did this the last time that I spoke in front of a large audience, um, where I the stage was changed on me day of. Um, oh right, yes. Right, and so then I'm in the middle of a circular stage. I'm using air quotes because there was mm -hmm. no stage, um, yeah. and there was um like equipment for the band blocking any pathway to move. Like it was mm -hmm. a horrible setup and it was cha literally changed day of. Um, and one of the things that I did that effectively recentered me and also I think captured a, sense, a, a level of authority that had been lost due to that was I went up on stage and I started moving stuff. I moved this, yeah. I moved that, and I, I put some stuff down. I looked at it and I had already been introduced. And I probably spent a good 10 seconds not talking because yeah. they messed with me so much. And mm -hmm. so then, then once I'm ready, I look around and I'm just like, hmm, the entire audience was silent. Yeah. Cool. They're yeah. ready for me. Like, mm -hmm. um, so I, I like that element of it. Um, I I find it interesting because you talked about power poses that you also you also intentionally took a pose that's kind of the opposite of a yes. power pose. Yes. Um, because it's you said it was calming to you that that's yes that's interesting um i and i mean that makes sense though because like um i mean you effectively got yourself closer to the fetal position which is exactly a very comforting position for humans yes um that makes sense uh i think the airplane crashing position <laughs> i think one of the uh one of the struggles in like modifying between a talk to like a workshop um is the it seems like it would be it, it it seems like it would be harder to control a lot of those elements 
Um, but I don't know if that's a limiting belief in my own head or if that's actually a practical concern. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So like in my, in my mind, like I'm doing a workshop for a large company. So they've, so they found the space that they're going to have their team in. Um, do we have access to that space 20 minutes beforehand? I don't know. Um, yeah. depends on the company to a degree, but then it's like, well, could I tell them I, I have to have access to that space beforehand? Probably. Yeah. So, so this is where I'm just like, I don't know whether this is limiting belief and whether this is practical, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you can write it in your contract, I wrote yeah. what I needed in my, in, in the contract mm-hmm. of my speeches and sure. Like I had a bottle of water, a podium and a wireless mic. And if you have any problem, if you have any issues pro- providing these, let me know 30 days beforehand. And what that did, I never, of course, like took it out on anyone who forgot about that. Sure. But the point of that was to impress that this is, I know what I need in order to give a good speech. And so I'm going to make sure, because I care so much about how good this speech is. I'm going to make you sign an agreement that I'm going to have a bottle of water, a podium and a wireless mic. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's that it's, it's thinking a little bit of like two steps ahead of this. Isn't just a comfort. This is ensuring that you get the maximum amount of value for your money. And at that point of which I quote unquote demand, these things that I need. If you don't provide them, I'm hands off. Like it's not my fault. It's not my fault if I'm getting thirsty and my voice gets more hoarse and I don't have water. And the and I'm not able to project as well. That's not my fault. That's on you. And if you're upset, I be, I put it in the contract. There's nothing, you know, so I so that's the way I look at it. And I didn't like doing that at first, I will say. I, I really hated even having a contract. Mm-hmm. I hated getting paid for speaking. Uh, it just felt wrong. And But I realized, oh, this is what I need. And this is what's necessary. Do you think that's likely that you could just work that into your contract? I, I honestly, it's the kind of thing like... Um... I'm charging a fair amount for these workshops. And so mm-hmm. I can probably work whatever I want into the contract. Great. Uh, and Good they'll, answer. <laughs> they'll probably be like, well, yeah, if I'm going to pay for it, I'll, I'll make sure it's what it needs to be. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, perfect. So talking about, yeah. So we talked about the audience interaction. We talked about the anxiety leading up to the speech. I know that's not going to solve pre-speech anxiety. Mm-hmm. What we want to do instead is channel it. So of an on, I, want, I want an honest answer from you, which I know you always give, but I just want to impress that this, I, I really want an accurate answer. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how good do you think that your intros are? Your introductions? Like a four. Oh, okay. I was prepared for you to say seven and I was going to say you can't say seven. Uh, That was actually really surprising. Okay, perfect. That gives us an area to really work on. So the other thing about I actually think my intros are probably the weakest part of my talks. Perfect. Perfect. So and I'm seeing a a constant theme 
um, I think the constant theme of where what you personally want to work on in your speeches is mitigating and channeling anxiety, which is something every speaker should have. If you don't have anxiety, then you should be a little more humble because what that, where that anxiety comes from is one natural, just human, mm-hmm. human anxiety around public speaking. Uh, there's a long, I have, I think I have a whole podcast episode around that, maybe two, but also because you care and you know the impact and you know that you can mess up. Mm-hmm. And you can screw up the impact of your speech. And so then that's real. And that's a good thing to have. You should have that anxiety. What we don't want to do, though, is let it control us. We want to channel it. So the way I look at pre, um, pre-talk anxiety and introduction anxiety is I look at, one, how to mitigate it as much as I can through my routine, um, where I'm not paralyzed, where I can act, where I'm just nervous. I want to reduce it to nervousness instead of anxiety. I want to create the differentiation. And that's subjective. That's different for everybody. And then what I want to do is then channel that nervousness into my introduction and into energy for my introduction. What's necessary for that to work is to have a polished, clean, and memorized introduction. You need to know your introduction off the back of your hand. You need to be saying it in your sleep. Um, So when we're talking about how do you outline your introductions, how do you usually do them? Um, I mean, I outline my overall talk. um, Okay. But I don't have... I don't even know if I have a, a decent answer to that question. Frankly. Okay. So the first thing we're going to do then is I'm going to give you, I've, I've already, I know I've already sent this to you a while ago, um, but I'm going to resend you my speech outline and that breaks the introduction into five parts. You have your hook, which, you know, any kind of story question, shocking statistic, um, anything like audience interaction. I usually start with stories. Yep. That's a great way. You're also stories are easy to start with too, because if it's a story about you, you know it. If it's a story mm-hmm. you heard, then you just need to know how to tell it. Mm-hmm. You know, stories are they people love them. And I start I start most of my speeches with stories. Either that or a question slash in your audience interaction. Um almost never a shocking statistic because I just found that those don't work as well for my personal speaking style. Yeah, I've seen people that do them well. Uh, so we start off with a story and just walking you through. I'm going to just walk you through the the parts of the introduction. And then we're going to talk about how the how we channel our nervousness into the parts. So I think it's very I think it's a little obvious how you channel nervousness into energy with a story is that you're excited to tell this story. And you're telling the story from your past, from your hopeful future, from your present, whatever it is. You're telling this and you are a passionate storyteller, maybe like an old man behind a, around a fire, or you are an excited announcer telling about this amazing thing, whatever, whatever the tone of the story is. Um, thinking about what kind, what is the energy I want to give off? And then great, now I'm going to push my nervousness into being excited or sorrowful or passionate or like whatever that is, I'm going to try so hard to um, 
create that emotional impact and give off that emotional delivery. Um, some people have to try harder than others. I have to try <laughs> pretty hard um, in order to in order to have that because I can be fairly just plain if I don't channel energy into something. I just kind of talk. For example, I'm excited to record this podcast, so I'm channeling my excitement into this and ignoring my nervousness about creating a good final product. Um, after we have our hook, then we have our uh, our introduction of the topic. So it's this is what we're talking about. Usually that's pretty short, simple to the point. Then we have our significance around, we have our credibility. Then we have an optional statement of goodwill. If what you're talking about had needs that. And then we have our outline, our outline of main points. That's the typical introduction that I have been doing for almost 10 years. So when we're looking at that, I like to, if I'm especially want to focus on the nervousness, I go, okay, I'm channeling this type. I'm channeling the nervousness into this type of energy while I'm telling the story leading into, and if I'm still experiencing nervousness after the story, if the story is maybe shorter than 30 seconds, I go, okay, how, what, what emotion am I exuding during the introduction of the topic and how, and how am I putting that, that nervousness into energy for that. And if it's still lasting, then we go, okay, the significance, this is important. I, I find it incredible. I find that the easiest place to actually channel my energy into because it's, a, it's important. You're talking about why this is so important and you want to impress that upon people. Right. And, and there's no such uh, thing as a public speaker who speaks on things they don't think are important. <laughs> So. I mean, I think there are, but they're not very, <laughs> I don't have much respect for them. <laughs> um, I think the audience thinks they're important. They might, uh, but that's a different topic. Uh, and then, of course, during like the credibility statement, um, if you're still experiencing nervousness, then we can think about, okay, what from my past gives me credibility to talk? Okay, now I'm talking about myself and my past. What type of energy am I bringing to the table with that? Um, and then of course the statement of goodwill, which is, which is optional. It's not always necessary. Um, it's, you know, you're caring about people. And then if your if your nervousness is still lasting, then talk about the, the main points you're talking about what you are previewing, what you're going to talk about. You're giving them a roadmap and you are sharing You're huddled. This is where you huddle over the fire. You're like, this is what I'm going to tell you. This is the incredible story you're about to hear what's a statement of goodwill uh, a statement of goodwill is something as simple as i'm here to help you i'm here i'm not here for money i'm here to help you i'm not here just to give another talk i'm not here just because it would be a draw i don't i don't care about that like gary v um when i surprisingly he follows no amount of script he does not prepare for speeches he literally just stands up there and talks and it infuriates me <laughs> a little bit, but it's what works for him. Oh, there's my dog. Uh, be excited about things. Uh, when it comes to uh, a talk like that, when it comes to like Gary V, he even he gives a statement of goodwill naturally because it feels like a very natural thing to do. That feels unfair for him. Yeah, and when I saw him specifically, when I saw him live yeah. years years ago, um. He was basically like, 
basically saying like fuck all the cameras i don't care about any of this you all came here to see me and to like record some videos i don't care now what i'm gonna say in the next 45 minutes is gonna fundamentally change your life and if it doesn't you're here for the wrong reasons like that was his statement of goodwill yeah and that works because he is the character that he is yeah it feels um, very on brand for gary v exactly exactly i feel and like so, he could literally go to every single talk he's ever given and start by saying i got paid x amount of money to be here and that's yep. not why i'm here exactly like, if, if i would have exactly. been told that they couldn't pay me i'd be here yeah. um and i would i believe him every single time i really would mm -hmm. he's yeah. made that brand for himself yep uh and I, as far as i know too he was i believe he was he uh, i haven't followed him in a while but he used to be very open about how much he gets paid to speak to so, he's pretty uh, open about yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, we could we could have a whole discussion about the character here. It's fascinating. But uh so that's that's what we're talking about. So when I when I say um like impress the nervousness into energy into this type of into this particular outcome, this particular goal for this particular part of the introduction. Does that make sense to you? Does that translate to something that's actionable for you? Um, I think there's I think there's elements of your outline for an introduction where that could be feasible, but then I think there's elements where it really doesn't connect to me. Um, okay. For example, like if I get to the point where I'm trying to express my authority, why I have the right to be on stage. Um, mm -hmm. If I'm still nervous at that point, I don't feel like I don't feel like there's a way I can transfer nervousness beneficially there. Um, I feel like I need to I feel like I need to have it capped before I try to make that that statement. Um, okay. And then interesting too, like uh, when I start with a story, the way that I like to tell stories is with a slow build in a sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so that means if, I, if if unless I decide to tell a different type of story. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um it's probably going to be the case in at least the first couple seconds of any talk i give people hear that i'm nervous uh, yeah. because of the because of the format that i prefer in stories and so i'm mm -hmm. um it, it's it's very easy to um transfer the energy when talking about the importance of a talk um, like that that's that seems pretty simple to me mm -hmm. um or uh when yeah the statement of good faith um like yeah. those those are moments where that seems very obviously simple mm -hmm. to me um yeah. yeah so i have a couple of thoughts on that um and there's a couple of solutions i think when it comes to the um when it comes to the signet when it comes to the credibility statement and he's and you thinking it'd be hard to channel nervousness into that that is something to work on probably later. It's not a priority right now because you already admitted that by the time that comes, almost always, if not always, you're you're comfortable by then. Mm -hmm. And so I don't like leaving it there because what if you are still nervous? <laughs> then then it could I could see things crumbling a bit, but that's not a primary worry right now. We can get to that later. What I yeah, what I would love to focus on for the remainder of this uh, episode and this coaching session, which is conveniently an episode, is that is that introduction, that slow build story. So we have a we have a few options, right? We can tell a different type of story. 
That's mm-hmm. one option. Not my preference to like force you to change your speaking style unless it's not working. Mm-hmm. Then that's the only reason I would say, no, you need to change this. This is bad. <laughs> this is just played out bad. But I've watched your speeches before and I don't think that's wrong. So I would not, I'm not totally in favor of that. Uh, just FYI. So that's one option though. We could change your speaking style. Um, number two, we could find a way to not be as nervous <laughs> as that. I think that's also a hard sell. <laughs> um, number three, and this is one that's interesting to me. And, and there are also, of course, more options as well after this. My immediate thought is, what if we change up the introduction itself? What if we don't start immediately with a story? What if we start with a shocking statement? And that shocking statement is, wow, I am nervous to be here. And turning that into and then weaving that throughout the speech. Like basically using that as not only a shocking statement, but as a way to identify with the crowd, because that also helps solve your other problem, Mm -hmm. which is I have a hard time relating, like not coming off pompous, Mm -hmm. even though that's not my intention and I don't want to do that. I realize I do come off like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've I've seen a couple, I've seen a couple of speakers do that and literally two. Um, one of them that I really appreciated was just literally that the speaker gets up on stage and looks around and is like, can I be honest with you guys? Yeah. I've never talked in front of such a large audience and mm-hmm. I am shaking. Yeah. It's <laughs> like the first thing he said, I'm like, and it, it worked really well. I, I appreciated the talk a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel about that option though? Um, I'm totally down on that. Like, okay. I, it's very on brand for me to, my primary initiative in everything I do is to be transparent and authentic. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, and it, it's probably, it's probably something that I could like literally have it in a script and know that every single time I read that sentence, it's going mm-hmm. to be true. So, yep. Yep. Um, Great. So I think, so, so all that needs to do in order to implement that, uh, all we need to do is simply just look at it would depend on the speech itself Mm -hmm. and i will say with time that'll probably become unnecessary um it could become your thing if (laughs) if you're interested at all in having like a distinctive thing uh it's just to say i'm nervous to be here uh and then and then like moving on and like we basically you are waiting out those 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. You're saying, I'm nervous to be here. You're starting your talk. And then by by that time, you're halfway through that 30 seconds, right? Right. Um, and so that's just like, a, it's a way to stalling the clock. But it just depends on the speech itself. Right. So it's just weaving it into that. I could see. So so give me your, give me your opinion on this. Because one of the things I'm thinking mm-hmm. of is that um, a statement like that feels like it could naturally be connected to um the significance of the talk um yes but then that would be changing the order of the intro um so would that be would that be problematic that it changes the order of the intro because it seems very natural to me to connect it i wouldn't change the order of the intro i would reference i would reference the hook in in the significance um the problem with changing the order is that you're giving significance to something that they don't know about yet Mm. you're saying this matters 
but they don't know they don't know what the topic is right and so like there are ways to massage there are ways to break the rules just like i've been watching a lot of chess videos recently and if you watch if you if you look at like the chess grandmasters which like the championship world championship is going on right now if you look at some of their plays you think they look like a horrible player like why on earth did you do that but they are it's just a coincidence that they're happening to play the move that a someone who doesn't know how the game works would also play um it's just it's just because they are they're doing something offbeat on purpose in order to win against someone else who can see 50 moves ahead uh, it's also how humans are beating deep blue oh yeah yeah <laughs> um so which is the chess ai yeah uh, for anyone unfamiliar so there are so many ways to break the rules i do this i i i am a, I am a bit of a stickler for the rules when it comes to something like this they just work really well but I have broken them. I've changed things up. I've moved things around. I've broken. I've gone against my own rules because this specific talk in this specific place with this specific topic actually worked better. Rearranged things done differently, not having a credibility statement at all. You know things like that. Um, so, just so let me it just ask depends. you this. Let me ask mm -hmm. you this. Um, usually, like the way when I say a slow build story, usually the first thing I say to an audience is something. I'll use one that I've literally said. So, but it's mm -hmm. it's almost always in the same air of yeah. um I'll I'll start off be like it was 5 30 p.m. and I hadn't slept in 32 hours. And I pause. Like, yeah. And then I got a text from my pastor. And like that's how I tend mm -hmm. to start a talk. Yeah. Um, and it's like every, and it's it's actually it's a copywriting rule called the the greased ladder like every yes. sentence makes you want to yes. know what the next sentence is mm -hmm. um so if i were to if i were to have the very first thing that i say be something that was authentic it was like i am nervous to be here how would i transition into a story the way that i typically tell yeah. stories um that is a good question thinking about that particular story uh I mean, there are some a little. They, there's a little. There, there are some like standard ways of doing it. Things that you've probably heard before, which is something like, "Oh, I'm nervous to be here," and we've. But honestly, that is not any. This nervousness doesn't compare at all to. And then like going into like the story, that is a. It's a standard way of doing it. It seems a bit cheesy because it is a bit cheesy, but. When in, when it comes to public speaking, things that are mainstream are mainstream because they work. People people saying, "Can I get a woo?" and people go woo. Why do people do it? Because it works. Mm -hmm. Do I hate it? Yes. Do I do it? No. Why? Because I'm a bad speaker. <laughs> no. Um, but <laughs> I found that when I do delve into those like a little bit more cheesy places my speech becomes better received mm -hmm. and so that is an it's always an option to do something that seems extremely obvious and a little hack um because the majority of people unless you're talking to people who are all like people that have spoken a lot that are all expert speakers they're gonna that's gonna be fine no one's gonna no one will remember 
that that line was a bit cheesy, you know? So yeah. that is all, that is the immediate option I can think of. I think I would have to sit down with your story with your full outline in mm-hmm. order to come up with something a little more elegant. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could, I mean, there's also the option of simply going, wow, you all, you all look incredible. I am nervous to be here. Like this feels incredible. And you turn to a positive and you go, okay, so get this. It was 5 a.m. Yeah. You know, just like something like that to where it's it starts off very conversational, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you have it planned out. I am right. all for introductions that sound super casual and very much not planned out, but are strictly planned out. Yeah. Um, that works just fine. I am not in favor of casual introductions that are not planned out because it just... You got me it's thinking of just structure. the idea of like, um, it could literally start that same talk and it could be like, man, guys, I am, I am nervous. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm very grateful to be <laughs> here. Um, can I tell you guys a story? <laughs> exactly. And then you wait for them to go, woo. And then you get them in the interact. And so right. you just did three. And so you just had three different hooks. Which is which is fine. You had a shocking, uh, quote unquote, shocking statement, which is saying, "Wow, I am nervous to be here." Can I tell you a story? Which is a question. It's audience interaction. This is actually four, and then you tell a story. <laughs> so you're doing four things right, and that the only reason that would be wrong was if each one of them was a full introduction. Right. <laughs> then it's like, okay, I'm doing four different introductions. Uh, so that's where I would start. We do have to get wrapping up. We, mm. we are almost at the hour. Uh, but so we covered three different things, which is convenient because, you know, most speeches have three different sections. Uh, we uh, talked about, we talked mainly about the nervousness and we mm. talked, but we also talked about contracting in um what we need we talked about audience interaction and how to bring some humility to audience interaction because it's very easy to have an ego with that is not does not mean you're a bad person it just means that we're human beings <laughs> and we and e- having an ego feels nice uh, and somebody gave me a mic and put me in front of an audience and exactly that, that's ego producing <laughs> that's their problem that's not me that's not on me um but then we also like mainly tackled okay how do we how do we polish our introduction to channel nervousness because you're never if you you should not try to get rid of it i will say that i don't say i don't tell people what they should and should not do most of the time but i will say in this case you should not try to get rid of your nervousness uh that'll just make you a dull speaker and no one wants a dull speaker now's the time since we had three different things we have call to actions now, Devin, thank you for being transparent and sharing with us. Um, it's not many people would not want to do this and have just an open, uh, published, uh, live coaching call about the things that you need to work on. So, I want to appreciate. I appreciate you for that. Um, and as your reward, as a thank you, what would you like to tell the people about what you have going on? Where do you want to lead yeah. them? Um. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really talk about it much because it's not the nature of what this conversation was. Right. But um, so my my business, Settle Your Side Hustle, what I actually do is I help people build their own businesses. So if you're like in this position where you're like, hey, you know what? I would love to start a business, but I don't know how. 
or mm-hmm. I don't know what to start. Or maybe you're like, no, I know exactly what I want to start, but I don't know how to make a business. Or maybe yeah. you're like, actually, I've had a business for a while, but I don't know where my next customer is coming from. I'm still in the day job um, and I don't know how to grow the business. If any of those three feel like they could resonate with you, um, I actually have a really cool free gift that's going to solve all those problems at once. Um, and so, Lily, I'll give you the link for it. But it's literally awesome. a list of 50 proven side hustles you can start on your laptop, the checklist of the 11 tools you need to start it, and access to my Facebook group where I do weekly live trainings on how to build the business. So I'm going to fix all those problems at once. And Perfect. the link will be in the description. Well, I'll give, I'll give Lily the link to put in the description. Yeah, and you have you have a little bit of time. Uh, we're filming this um, <coughs> two weeks in advance. So, <laughs> or so. Uh, perfect. Uh, thank you so much for having a, uh, for coming on here, Devin. Um, definitely go through his program. I did it. I went through his program myself, uh, and it's really incredible. I had number one, a great time. Number two, got some stuff done. Um, so we are going to be back next week with some just solid communication content talking about conveniently. I had already planned this before we talked, talking about your intros and outros, um, specifically about concluding with power, uh, which is a topic I've touched on before. Want to get deeper in there. So stay tuned for that next week. Um, in the meantime, you can rate uh, the podcast on iTunes and now Spotify as well, which is the the far and away the best way to actually support the podcast you like. So rate every single podcast you listen to. It's the least you could do for them, honestly. Um, Every podcast you listen to, every podcast you like, go ahead and rate them. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, find one way to communicate with confidence today. 